sun is out, the temperature is slowly rising, and there's more than just a hint of jasmine in the air. But strangely, an epidemic of sorts is sweeping the country. Footy funnels fever is affecting the hearts and minds of millions of people across Australia at the moment, and as such, the citizens of the People's Game are making some house calls during the pre-funnels lull to check up on a few of their favourite footy friends. Our last visit for Funnels Week 1 2019 sees Casey and JB head to the Caroline Wilson Room at The Age to talk to another famous Richmond fan and longtime friend of the podcast, Conrad Marshall. Conrad is one of the best profile writers going around and his 2017 book Yellow and Black, A Season with Richmond, is a must-read for all football fans regardless of club allegiances. However, it's clear to see where Conrad's colours lie. Whether it's his September superstitions, strong Tiger Twitter game, or earnest descriptions of fandom, it's pretty clear to see that Conrad is Richmond through and through. Richmond are hitting form at the right time of year yet again, and love them or hate them, there are few better battle cries than yellow and black. Enjoy the Tiger chat. Away from Tigerland, a fighting fury, we're from Tigerland. In any weather you will see us with a grin. Conrad Marshall, welcome to the pod. Thanks very much for having me. So Casey and I are sat here in the Caroline Wilson room at The Age, which is a lovely, lovelyly named, well-named, mm. and I wanted to start off by asking you about a couple of, couple of Richmondy things you've written this year. So I wanted to start off by talking about the extension of the book that you wrote in 2017, so the raw features, and then also your Two of Us piece on Alex Rance and Jack Rewell. So talk us through the process behind those, how they came to be. The raw features was just an idea that I had, you know, I'd... I'd had such a wonderful time being um, embedded with Richmond in 2016 and 2017 um, and I kind of wanted that to continue and I'd, I'd looked um, from afar at the way that um, Michael Gordon, the late Michael Gordon, had um, written the excellent book, book uh, Playing to Win about Hawthorne yeah. and had sort of um, remained part of the club, part of the, the furniture, I mean, to a much greater extent than I have. He... Um, I believe he used to pretty much go down and listen to every pre-match address, whether he was writing about the team or not. He was yep. just part of that club. Um, and I wanted to do that to a really small extent, just stay connected. And I thought the, the best way to do that would be to put together features um, about players that I hadn't necessarily written about in detail in the book so they can yep. get new ones coming through or just guys that I missed um, during that year. Mm. So, and Jaden um, Short kind of missed that year in a sense. He yeah. did, and he was such a, a big part of it um, in some way. I mean, there, there aren't many really big hard luck stories from that year mm. of guys missing out on the flag that deserve to be there, but Shorty would be pretty close to the mark there. Won yeah. us a few games off that brilliant left boot, um, the non-preferred boot of yeah. his, um, and yeah, just missed out on a flag. So wanted to meet him, talk to him, and, and what a bubbly personality he was. Um, Dan Rioli was another one. You know, we mentioned him in the book in a chapter about the, the Dreamtime game, and he talks in meetings and whatnot, but there wasn't a dedicated chapter, so mm. I wanted to talk to him and... Um, Big part of that was actually reading your story about your time in um, in Tiwi. Correct. Which, funnily enough, you mentioned Michael Gordon and Hawthorne, and Hawthorne are benefactors and give money to the Gordon Fellowship Project as part of his legacy. So it, that's such an interesting aside and a book that I will have to get hold of. What were your first impressions of me? Well, it's kind of publicised that we we initially didn't get on. We're kind of like brothers in a lot of ways. Yeah. That 
out of the womb, very competitive, yeah. very, and then grew closer as, as age went on. But initial thoughts were, how am I going to finish a career with this guy? Yeah. The two of us piece on Alex Rance and Jack Rewalt, when did that idea kind of strike you? And that was obviously published in Good Weekend. Well, I think they came to us, um, that is Alex's um, publisher, uh, because his uh, book, Rabbit's Hop, <laughs> um, was being released and naturally they, they want to get a few eyeballs um, on the pair. Yeah. Um, and I think also, in fairness, um, the two of them had come out and talked a little bit about their um, their clash uh, their clashes earlier in their career. So I wasn't the first person to write about that. I think Mark Robinson had a fairly lengthy um, Herald Sun feature about the way they, they really did not like one another, mm. see eye to eye early in their career and then Came to um, came to appreciate one another's strengths in that um, in that really special 2017 season and perhaps a little bit before that when they thrashed things out when their issues sort of came to a head and it's funny how you can find common ground if you just um, talk to someone about yeah, mm. your differences. And so you're obviously a mad Richmond Nuffy, I think is the adequate Nuffy. description. Yeah, yeah, totally. So what emotions does it invoke in you when you write about Richmond? Um, I guess it just throws me back to um, my youth, really, which was like um, like so many Richmond supporters, given how, how large a, a fallow period we, we had, um, they were um, inextricably linked to a, a struggling club, struggling financially, struggling on the field, um, never had any real reason to, to cheer, no no real successes to sort of lord over anyone else. I mean, people talk about the 70s and even up to 1980 and um, I have no connection to that, you know. I, mm. I, I know who Royce Hart is. I mm. never saw him play. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't really remember seeing Morris Rioli play. Like, um, these are other people's heroes in many ways. Um, so when I write about Richmond now, it's pure joy because it's just such a transformed place. I, I still um, can't quite fathom it when you hear a group of pundits sit down to talk about the chances in the, of the various teams in the finals and say that, um, you know, yeah, well, it's Richmond and then, you know, not Richmond then Daylight, that was that was 2018, but, yeah. you know, that Richmond are the clear favourites. Mm. That um, just blows <laughs> my mind. Uh, Mm. For real? Mm. Um, yeah, and so writing about them, um, just a wonderful, wonderful privilege, really. I want to talk to you more about that, I guess, from your fan connection to what you're writing about and the actual place you have as a journalist in telling these stories. How much of these stories are coming from that fan persona, like you wanting to explore these other stories from other players that you haven't had the opportunity to write about? Is that you as a fan pursuing that or you as a journalist trying to tell those stories that you think need to be told? No, I think I'm, I'm definitely um, I have the fanboy hat. Uh, firmly on when I'm when I'm doing these stories and even when I'm pitching them or deciding who I want to um, write about, it's hard to separate that. Um, I'm meant, I was meant to sort of go into the club and be this objective professional, but um, but I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm in there. Like, um, and so I pursue the 
the topics, the players that um, interest me, the, the ones right. that I see a few moments from, like I, I keep going on about that um, Jaden Short left foot mm-hmm. goal against Port Adelaide, but it was just because that's something that I noticed that I clung <laughs> to that I, I can't let go of. Yeah. Short the trust his left and goes long and straight and the oh. desperate lunge from Burn Jones. He He's pleading, it. but it's a goal. Short with the long that might get them home. No, I knew what I was going to be writing about Shorty um, before I even met him. I knew I was going to be watching him at training, looking out for that left boot when mm. he was kicking downfield in a drill. Um, so, yeah, I think that fan experience totally colours what I yeah. write about these guys. So if you had the opportunity to write similar profiles on players from other clubs or tell another club's story, do you think that's something that you could do to remove yourself from your fan experience and connection to your club and tell someone, like, the story of another club? I think so, but it has sort of ruined the fan experience in a way <laughs> because you'd, um, it'd suddenly soften and humanise these people that you yeah. want to hate. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, somebody sent me a link the other day to the um, – well, actually, the filmmakers um, sent me a link the other day to the, the Collingwood documentary yeah. side yeah. by side because um, one of the producers or directors, um, Marcus Cobbledick, had um, spoken to me um, previously after the, the book was released. Uh, and I really want to watch it because it sounds remarkable <laughs> and dramatic, but mm. I really don't because, um, you know, I want to keep hating it yeah. until more and I want to keep <laughs> hating Collingwood in general. Mm. Like, yeah. um, the dirtiest trick they ever pulled was making us like Nathan Buckley mm-hmm. last year. Oh, you know? so, and the, we've, we discussed the film on our book club segment like last week. Um, and it's the exact, it's exactly that. It's the weirdest feeling to be looking at Adam Trelaw and going, I like this yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah, I spoke yeah. a lot about the Nathan Buckley angle as well because, um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be asked to host the um, Q&A after the screening at MIF this year, oh, wow. and which was a wonderful experience. But I talked about this on the podcast before that I felt like as a West Coast supporter, knowing that, that that season was about the season my team beat them, I sort of went in it with a bit of arrogance almost because we had one, but then the humanising element too really affected me. And, yeah, I've got so much admiration for Bucks now and that sits so weirdly in my fan identity. <laughs> so I can completely understand where you're coming from there. Right. Yeah. I'd never want to do it with Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cling to that hatred too tightly. Oh, so that's Bucks. This week came up as a decade of having Damien Hardwick as a mm. Richmond coach. So how does his figure change the, how you saw the club? Because obviously you remember the early days. Your favourite player was Scott Turner. Is that correct? Scotty Turner was one of my favourites. Yeah? But I'd say my absolute favourite growing up was um, Matty Knights. Okay. I mean, Richo for sheer longevity and the audacious moments yeah. that he gave us and that, that almost brown low and the... It was almost, you know, the, almost the everything, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah it was almost yeah. fitting for Richo that he didn't win the Brown Brownlow. That's right. But because we were such a struggling club, because we were a team full of stragglers, I think I always gravitated to Matty Knights because Knights was pure class because he was that Pendlebury sort of the guy that can stop time in the middle of the field with that left foot mm. vision. And so, yeah, he was the thing that I wanted Richmond to be. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Nida was my favourite. Now Matthew Knights. Every time Richmond look as though they need something as a lifter, it's Knights. Can he kick his fourth, third goal? He gets inside, well inside 50. This will bring the house down if you don't mind, umpire. It's a goal to Matthew Knights. Dimmer. Hardwick. Yeah, Dimmer. We got from Buckley to Dimmer. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, 
I backed in it in from the very beginning. Um, I, I, yeah, I will say that I, I think there was a period of maybe a few years in where Richmond supporters um, came for him. At least they came for him online. They, they weren't convinced um, that we were doing well enough. And I, I remember defending him to the hilt then. And, and you do it even more so now. You look at the way that so many clubs have rebuilt or, sorry, failed to rebuild and have just stayed mired to the bottom. Even, you know, resurgent, hopeful Carlton, they're third from the bottom <laughs> again. Like, so you, you place that, you place the Hardwick experience in context where it was just this, this steady incremental rise that had us playing finals within like four years, five years after being, um, written off as worse than the worst of the worst days of Fitzroy. Um, <laughs> and he's rebuilding throughout the year of compromise drafts because of the Suns and the Giants. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's heroic what mm. he's able to do. And then mm. I, I loved, um, I don't know, I loved the idea of football that he seemed to be pursuing for a while there, this, this team full of clean kicks. Granted, yeah, it was very Hawthorne we for the first three years they made the final. Yeah, maybe we were trying to ape them too much, as, yeah. as Jack said, and got punished for. Um, but at the same time, again, after a, a lifetime of barracking for a team that were getting there on sort of sheer moxie, the idea that he was trying to rebuild us as a, as a class outfit that would cut teams up with foot skills, I, I liked that. It was ballsy. Yeah. And then the reinvention came. It's hard to reinvent yourself. Um, even in a little way, but to do it as dramatically as he did to, to turn himself around and inside out and be so introspective in that, that Buckley mould, so impressive again. And yeah. then, of course, what it led to, wow. You know, yeah, and so, I mean, it's interesting because the similarities between Collingwood and Richmond are so prolific when you see Inside Out, the doco, and your book, and you mm. kind of read them as the pieces of that season. The endings are marginally different. Just to stress, <laughs> which brings us to the prelim final in 2018. Mm. Um, so this was kind of when those two stories collided. Mm. What did you expect leading into prelim final night? Um, I was very worried. It's very hard to say that that's because I had any foresight into what might occur and just just the baggage of being a Richmond supporter or any supporter leading into a, a, a cutthroat final. But um, I don't remember thinking Cox would take that many marks, but I do remember being worried by his um, size, by his, size, by yeah. his presence, because they just I, – I didn't think it would be him taking the marks and kicking the goals, but I thought it's going to be very hard for our guys to intercept as they so often do, and those small forwards at Collingwood are really dangerous. Hoskin Elliott, Degoe. Stevenson, Degoe. I don't think Elliot was. Elliot wasn't was playing, injured, no. But, but yeah, and and that's what they look like again this year. Even though they're they're sort of a bit banged up, if they get all of those guys back, um, I think they can do it. My great fear with Collingwood is that the football that their best quarters over the past year have been otherworldly. When they turn it on, yeah. they'll kick six and nearly kill the game, and that's what they did to Richmond and nearly did to West Coast. They're just running all over the top of them, Collingwood. So Adam Cox again. So when it was all unravelling, 
where were you and how did you feel in the moment? Particularly, I guess it was the early bit in the second quarter where it was clear that we weren't about to turn it around. Yeah. Um, so I was there and trying to – I was thinking about writing something about the game. I didn't end up doing that. but um, Lucky man because I, I had to. <laughs> I vividly remember, yeah, um, uh, just out of superstition because the first quarter had gone so badly. It's like I, I have to change seats. So I have to – be somewhere else and it will change the luck of the <laughs> I, I do these amazing. stupid things so I, so I, I didn't actually have a seat in the second quarter I was just wandering the, the concourse just mm-hmm. above ground level kind of looking at the game over people's heads and it was weird to see the gigantic spectacle of, of Cox just taking yeah. his marks it was it was a nightmare um, yeah it absolutely it was the worst night for me because yeah. it was I got commissioned to write about the game and I was so I was at the London Tavern kind of observing what was going on and writing about that and I was just sat there and after the game I was like oh my god I have to go and watch highlights <laughs> and just that moment of like I was happy because oh this is a great gig I'm so excited they've given me this commission oh crap <laughs> um, can we continue on that line of football superstitions that you just mentioned there because I mean this is something as a scholar of fandom I find so interesting and I talk about this a lot in terms of merchandise and this has started to become a bit of a theme between Jack and I because I wrote a couple of pieces about um, the stigma attached to certain items of merchandise I had worn to losing West Coast games along my fan journey and they have a special spot in the drawer because I can't get rid of it because it's West Coast stuff but it's sat aside and I won't touch it because I feel like it's jinxed or something. And then this year, Jack has sort of come a little bit along the way of starting to Ish. think about some merchandise. Yeah, so I bought a Basher Hooli badge yeah. before his 200th game. And I don't wear badges, mm-hmm. so this was very unique. So right. he was then best on ground. Well, so that's, hold on to that badge. So, and then I bought the Jack Higgins snags beanie after the brain bleed. So it actually it was more of a show of support. Sure. Then I bought the Sydney stack jumper. So I ordered it on a Friday morning mm-hmm. and then three things happened. I got a text from my girlfriend telling me she was about to buy it for me. So that's a kick. <laughs> I then find out that he's been dropped to the VFL. Then the next afternoon I find out that he's injured his ankle in the VFL and will probably miss the rest of the year. So I've got this beautiful Sydney stack jumper and I don't know what to do with it. A special spot in the drawer. <laughs> so what are your um, superstitions? Because yeah, you've tweeted a little bit about some footy socks that the I've seen. Socks. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, I, I- – I latched onto that. I, I feel like I bought those and wore those throughout the 2017 season. So and so decided they were my lucky socks. They got a um, a hole in them um, this year, and and we lost the day that they. That I so found which, the which hole. game? Um, I think it was the Adelaide okay. um, game. Um, so I bought a new pair of socks and wanted them to be lucky as well. Uh, so I saved them until we were playing Gold Coast so that they could be christened <laughs> with good luck. And, it's like manufactured luck almost. Right. And, and they've served us well yeah. on seven on the trot. Um, How interesting. Yeah. So um, I have those, absolutely. Uh, I also, um, halfway through the uh, last quarter in 2017, round 23, we were playing St Kilda just before the finals. Remember, yeah. Uh, for one reason or another, I think I had gone for a run that morning and we were playing really well. And I was like, if I if I run every day from now until oh, you told us final, this when we interviewed you last year, yeah, yeah. we'll we'll win. Mm-hmm. And so I made the time for that every single day, whether it was a a 2k yeah. shuffle or, or a real jog. It's like 
you've got to run yeah. this morning. Um, and That's so, so next I started <laughs> that again two days ago. Um, really? Went for a run on the um, the, the day of the, the Brisbane game, went for a run last night, and I'll go for a run tonight, and I'll go for a run every night. Oh, my God. Because I didn't <laughs> do it in 2018, and you saw what happened. So you follow. So we need to make sure every day you need a motiv- you need a motivational morning message. Have you been for your run today? <laughs> the um, the raw features are a, a case in point for the opposite. I think they're having a reverse moz on the players. Huh? So I wrote about Shorty, and he went out and um, banged up his uh, his elbow and was out for a, a good period of time, as Dimmer would say. Um, yeah. I wrote about uh, Daniel Rioli, and he was dropped within a fortnight. I wrote about Liam Baker, um, and he was consigned to the twos for a while as well. Oh, so, because right. the raw features are great to read. Yeah. So, who are we writing? Have you got anything lined up? Because I just <laughs> want to make sure we're not. Like, let's not go and write about Dylan yeah. Grimes, please. Or like, um, you need to up your running load when you write about these it's, profiles. It's been, did the age do a profile on the vineyard with Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm writing. Um, I'm trying to write one about Sydney Stack right now. Well, that might be safe. It's, we're safe, right? Because because he might. Because yeah. well, Jack already ruined that. So Did that's I? his fault with yeah. your jumper. <laughs> so I get pretty serious about yeah. it. My, my wife does too. Like she's, um, uh, you know, has has ridden all of the bumps. And I think a couple of games into the start of the the premiership year, she realised that she hadn't been able to actually watch the games that I was at um, covering. That she was had just been following them on um, Twitter, just been catching updates from the um, from the feed that the club puts out. And so she decided, not not me, that um, that it was bad. I think she turned on a game and watched the last quarter as we lost one of those close ones. Mm-hmm. So she decided that her watching the games was bad luck and oh, that she would have to follow all of the games on Twitter. And she did that all the way through. Like she didn't see a single game in the 2017 season except for that quarter of the losing one against GWS and then part of the last quarter of the grand final because she was texting me going, can I watch now? Like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like, no. You, you, gee, I'm glad we won. Wow. That's amazing. I love that stuff. I mean, I know it's so, like, it, I know it doesn't make a difference. Does it? Oh, does but it then I like, don't do think you know that, that for either. sure? Give me the evidence. <laughs> I know there's football a lot of evidence it, here. It could be that footballers go out and whoever kicks the ball better wins. It might not be Conrad's socks, <laughs> but I don't really think that that's the right angle to take. I know, but it's amazing how much stock we put in all of that, don't we? Because like, I think as fans we have to know that we have some involvement or we have some control and that's how we can do that. That's you know We're not going to go out there and run around on the field, but if there's one thing that we can do to have some sort of influence. Right. Yeah. Well, part of it. I mean, I assume you, buy, you guys are, are members of your, your mm-hmm. club. So yeah. Just even think about that, that word. It's like we're not just distant supporters. We are members mm. of the, the team. We're, yeah. we're part of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we say we. It's a very inclusive <laughs> word, isn't it? it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Didn't think of that. I want to talk to you a bit about where your sort of fandom is at the moment because I guess um, trying to relate to you from being 
uh, a member of the most recent grand finalists in you the year previous. Who was that? Sorry, Kate. Uh, that would be the West Coast Eagles, uh, 2018 <laughs> Premiership winning West Coast Eagles. Um, so I guess the trouble, well, not trouble so much, but the frustration I have now at the moment is people talking to me in a way that because we already have a premiership or we won last year, this year doesn't matter almost. And I wonder if that's something that you've been through considering Richmond have been successful for the last couple of years and have been up there. And we talked about the prelim final last year. Did you get feedback from people last year that said, well, you won it the year before? And how do you reconcile that as a fan? Like, is it ever enough just to win one? Um, look, it did feel that way throughout last year for me. I mean, even when we lost the prelim um, and granted, I needed to see Collingwood lose in heartbreaking fashion for it to be okay. But it was like the moment that Collingwood <laughs> did lose in heartbreaking fashion, yeah. it was okay. okay. Like I, I knew that I wasn't going to see a bunch of horrible magpie bumper stickers all over <laughs> Melbourne over the yeah. course of summer. Um, I had their pain yeah. to fall back on. Mm. Um, it, it didn't, yeah, it, it washed away a lot of that prelim pain for me for sure. Yeah. Uh, this year is probably a little bit different. We were so struck down by injury that the first half of the year felt like everything was a free punch. Mm. You know, no one expects you to win when half of your team is out like that. So mm. every win that we did get felt even better and against the tide. Um, probably coming into the finals now, that all changes a little bit because you can see, you, you know the way that football chatter operates. And yeah. if we don't win it this year, they'll already start you know, they'll, they'll already start writing those stories in their head about a team that was dominant for three years, the best in it, and could only get one flag out of it. Or mm. you know what I mean? There will, will be that Essendon of ninety nine to 01, and even Port of sort of oh one to oh four yeah. were you know a couple mm. of minor premierships in there and bottled it. And yeah. that's where you kind—it's of, a really great era because you then have the Brisbane dynasty without them ever actually. And Hawthorne never won a minor premiership. Yeah. So it is an overrated market, but it will be the the, mm. the overall overarching story. So I do have another question because you've just come back from America. So you have a regular American sojourn, Instagramming lots of photos, lots of photos of sandwiches. Is, is there merit in an off-season holiday? Is that not a little bit taboo? An off-season holiday? Or in-season in holiday, season rather. Off-season, absolutely. Um, Do whatever you want in October. Well, <laughs> well I did it in, in 2017. Well, what, did, what happened then? Um, we, oh, we got flogged by St Kilda, that random St Kilda game. Yeah, because that doesn't really feature in the book. Mm. And everyone was a little bit like, what yeah. happened? And you were like, well, I don't actually know. Yeah, wasn't there for that one, sorry. Um, what else did we do? We beat Carlton. Did we, did we lose to Sydney? We might have. Yeah, we did lose to Sydney that year. You're right, yeah. it wasn't a great run. But we did all right when I was abroad this year, so, hmm. yeah. No impact. <laughs> the reason we ask is I'm actually at the snow for qualifying final weekend. What? Yeah, yeah. and I'm getting, like, lamb back. So, Case had a mid-season, you had a trip around Europe. It was June. not a holiday. I had to work. So. <laughs> I, might, I don't know. I might be working while I'm on the snowboard. Um, um, I was in the corridor of conferences listening to the AFL radio app trying to catch up on what was going on with my team. So I didn't take leave or go to snow to avoid football like someone sat I next to me. That wasn't to avoid football. I went, you know what? There's a bunch of people going and Melbourne supporters organised it, which kind of made it funny. <laughs> I was like, I don't go to the snow. I'm going to go. And I was like, well, I was either – I kind of think I'd split my – I hedge my bets a bit. I mean, if we don't get there, then it's okay. And if we do get there, I think we're good enough to get further. 
maybe that's fortuitous. I'm sorry if it all goes wrong. It's probably my fault. McInerney shifts the handball even wider, but it's all about the Tigers today. Wow, back there. Genuine, genuine big threat. So you watched the replay of the Brisbane game last night. So how have you made – what have you made or taken out of the last two weeks going into the the bookend of the year? Um, well, let's see. I mean, the, the Brisbane game uh, – really felt like we controlled that most of the day. I mean, the, the commentators might have seen it a little bit differently, or, the, or they did, given mm. what I saw on the replay last night. But um, at the ground, for me, even though it was two goals apiece in the second quarter, I, I thought we really smashed them for territory and, mm. and just meaningful possessions and, and thrusts forward. And there were just a lot of sort of near misses or calamitous sort of falls in the, in the goal square or... Uh, you know, a few dodgy free kicks. And I'm, mm. I thought it was pretty well officiated all day, but um, I definitely think we came out on the wrong end of a couple, but don't all fans. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I felt like, what was it, six goals to two or something in first the first quarter? quarter? Yeah, it was the, I the flip like, of the first quarter of the week before. And I felt like it was a six goal to two second quarter as well. It just turned out as two to two. And if that had happened, the games put to bed at half time and we probably run all over them but they um you know they fought back really well in the third a lot of people focus on us getting beaten in clearances and locking Neil getting so much of the ball but I don't think Richmond have ever really been that strong in the clearances in fact it's been pretty better, well better this year than most we're bigger in in post clearance mm. contested mm. ball sort of managing the outside um I thought uh despite what Paul Ruse has said last night or this morning that, you know, Dylan Grimes was just amazing. Oh, he was phenomenal. Cameron. I can't believe Cameron kicked two. Uh, right. Fagan said in his press that it was a line ball battle. I mean, Cameron didn't get near it no, at all day. He got, a Dor- he, got a, he, got a, he got one one-on-one that bounced through Grimes' legs and yes. uh, he was irrelevant, really, it which is, which is you know, he's a f- wonderful player. But no, I enjoyed that even though Tom Lynch didn't sort of get four goals or anything, um, Harris Andrews didn't take any like intercept, inter- marks, intercept yeah. marks. He like if Lynch is not going to win the ball, he's at least going to sort of keep his defender honest mm, at, at the same time, yeah. and that's hugely important in that. Yeah. yeah. So would you tag Neil? Did you think Neil was in the best three on the ground? Um, I didn't really notice him. No, I thought I thought mm. Zorko had much more impact. Yeah, than yeah. I think Zorko had 600 metres gain and Neil had 250. Yeah, no, so my, my best would be sort of a toss-up between Dustin Martin and Nick Blostone and then probably Zorko and mm. followed by Neil, something like that. Yeah. Or no, Dylan Grimes. It's about right, so, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was a tricky one. Mm. Uh, so looking forward to week one of the finals, playing them again. Mm. How does that sit with you as a fan? Do you see the merit in playing or the advantage of playing a team again so closely, learning from the most recent encounter, or would you have preferred to play someone else? Um, and are you going, it, I guess? Yeah, it beca- I am going. Um, it, it becomes um, – the psyops is really interesting, isn't it? You mm. don't sort of know the way to feel about it. They'll both gain from mm. getting a look at one another after yeah. having not played one another for, for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But you'd think, yeah, Brisbane get to feel like, well, we're naturally going to be better at home. Yeah. Um, we'll probably get some more free kicks at home. Um, so you'd think they have some slight advantage going into yeah. it. But mm. I, I don't know. Like, like I said, I just feel like when the whips were cracking in that first half that we were – 
I thought we were comprehensively yeah. on our side. Yeah. And I just don't see us cracking under pressure to that outfit. I haven't, granted, I haven't watched a lot of Brisbane this year. Yeah. But I'm just not quite sure I see um, the same scary weaponry that, say, Collingwood or West Coast um, have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't frighten me yeah. as Yeah, well, that's kind of what David said. David said that for them, the upside of moving to home, and we were in that going, oh, we were within touching distance, gives them the kick. I just, I guess the question then is, like, if they don't compete at the coalface early, what's. Mm. What's it? And I guess the other thing, and I thought this in the West Coast, like, there's a couple of times where sometimes the umpiring decision at the MCG works in Richmond's favour because it gets people involved. So yeah. mm. the week before, we needed a couple of Barry Crockers because it actually got everyone yeah. up and in. Whereas I don't know whether you, I don't know how it's, it's a great unmeasurable, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. And you, you mentioned um, tagging Neil as well. Like, they don't seem to be a tagging side. No, and they haven't been. You know, in, in Dimmer, we trust. So, um, but that said, you know, um, Jack Graham and Dion Presti often go to a to a dangerous opponent at stoppages and just try to build mm. their influence there. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all that yeah. they had some sort of contingency. Well, the way they exploited uh, Paddy Cripps in the Carlton game, did you see that little bit of footage? I saw that little bit. Yeah, of footage, where yeah. he kind of ball hunts and they kind of worked out that if you leave his man outside the stoppage and he'll go to the ball and you can then knock it. To that player, yeah, you know, whoever is on Crips will be free on the outside. And I just thought that was, I think their stoppage work has been smart and they're backing themselves to go man for man. Yeah, Mm. yeah, that was a really interesting bit of footage. At first I saw it and I was like, oh, well, that's just something that happened. And then Mm. sort of three or four cases. Yeah, it was quite a few. Yeah, Yeah. it was was enough that you were like, this is statistically significant. (laughs) That's, That's intentional, yeah. 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 So do you have – you mentioned that you don't really fear Brisbane. Who's your most feared opponent coming into the finals? Who would you not want to hit? Um, I mean, if they were back to full strength and we're talking about Moore and Sidebottom and Dugowie and whatnot, just because of the prelim last year, I don't think I'd want to meet Collingwood if they mm. if I thought they were fully firing and fit. Mm. They're, they're dangerous. Um, West Coast we accounted for, but <laughs> – Hugely impressive team at the same time and a very different game plan. Those would probably be the two I fear. I mean, everybody kind of fears the the Bulldogs as well, but mm. and we did get handled by them. Oh, didn't but, we? Um, you know, a few people have pointed out, um, Jake Nile just yesterday in the Ages footy podcast, um, we didn't have Asprey when we played against the Bulldogs. Correct. And it, it it's a huge, doesn't sound yeah. like a big deal. Well, also, Norton took three of his marks while Vlostom was off. Yeah. And so the actual undersizing of the defence was profound. And yeah. I was sat, the one where he really sat on someone's head was right in front of me. And they and were still that. adjusting. There were a whole heap of young players coming through the side and um, I think we may have missed Cochin as well. No, he's been gone for most of the yeah, year. There was that yeah. stat where we kept winning without him and not with him for a while, which <laughs> yeah. was all, all sorts of strange. Plus their home ground, Marvel. I mean, I know they have they had intoxicating sort of momentum and belief mm. right now and that and that slick handball game, but I would hope that, you know, if, if a handball game, a happy handball game breaks down against any team, it's against us. And they've outlasted the Tigers and they will bounce into the second week of the finals and take on the Swans. Heartbreak for Richmond. So final couple of questions. This is almost our 
common way of ending. Can can we deem the season a success as, as Richmond fans without winning the flag? Um, a lot of people would say no, but I, I, I would say yes. I generally okay. say yes to that question. Why? Um, again, it's probably coming from that place of um, supporting the team when they weren't there. I, I remember writing a column about this when we lost the elimination final against North Melbourne. We, yep. we had won sort of 15 games that season. We were on the cusp of we really should have been in the top four. And, um, and I just think people take for granted what it is to follow a side that wins football games, that it, where you can go along and be confident that your team will give it a shot, maybe even confident that they will win. Like, mm. That's a really great thing to have. Yeah. Um, people will say you play football or you follow football for the flags, and I just think that's a nonsense. There are mm. 23 rounds in the year. There's four weeks at finals. Does all of that just mean nothing? Is mm. it all about like the one team that gets to win it at the end? Mm. Um, yeah. I imagine that's true if you've gone for a team that hasn't won one, but, um, no, as I say, even in 2015 when, yeah, when we hadn't got there, I was, um, I, I just don't believe that a flag is the be all. Yeah. Cause I always subscribe to the, how many days did you leave the footy happy yeah. over the course of the year yeah. and what, how many, I guess, perfect weekends did you have? There's a few boxes. It's normally the Crows losing, Port losing, Collingwood losing, Richmond winning. But <laughs> um, that kind of, I said that, to, I might have said that to you in the last couple of weeks, Case, while yeah. you've been in the doldrums. <laughs> What's the alternative? That all of that joy that you were given means nothing? That all of those yeah. goals of the year or marks mm. of the year, the, the unveiling and development of like Sydney stack, and does that mean nothing? It's an no. interesting one because I've gone on record as saying that the pursuit of the premiership is everything. And I do and still inherently believe that because I think the pursuit is what drives us and what keeps us going there. Yeah. So I think I kind of try and separate those two ideas because I think I will be completely disappointed every year we don't win a flag as a fan because that's why I keep going to the football. But then I do situate the more general enjoyment of football in my life somewhere else in my brain almost. Mm. So I don't think I have quite the holistic view that you have because I think that's a really lovely way to look at it and that makes me feel like a bit more of a bad fan when no. I think about it like that. But I think... You come from a place of winning flags. Though. Well, that's the difference, isn't it? Like I haven't really experienced that downtrodden long-term spot at the bottom like West Coast won the wooden spoon for one year and that's it so must have been terrible for you exactly so I think and yeah. then we're back in a prelim the next right. year right so my narrative's quite a bit different there so and I guess that yeah, West Coast arrogance plays a lot into that too but I don't know I'm trying to be a better I'm fan happy for people that, <laughs> that have, a, have a, a, an experience of winning when, how old were you when they won their first flag uh, so in 92, I was five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that just points out the difference between us, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, see, but Conrad's looking at me like, oh, you're younger. Well, and you're looking at me like, oh, you're so old. <laughs> well, I've actually got a theory here. So my older sister was a 92 and I was a 94. Oh, God. So we were born in Eagles flags years. I don't know if there's you anything in there. for the Eagles. No, that was probably You'd be never. Such a, a happier person. <laughs> yeah, but would my father be a happy person? Well, my, yeah, well, my Richmond supporting father is not a happier person. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Poor man. <laughs> all right, thank you very much for joining us, Conrad. Um, really appreciate it, and all the best of luck with your barracking over the coming month. We hope you run every day. Thank you very much, and um, the. 
best of luck with your barracking, Jack. Not so much. You. <laughs> <laughs> Feelings mutual. <laughs>